and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Oh, he's drilled home by Steve Davis. Dear, then he comes Matheson. Oh, he scored! And now it's Johnson. That is a hugely important goal, which may just keep Rochdale in League One. Hello and welcome to the RochdaleFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, uh, and after a couple of weeks away, I am joined again by Chaff. How are you doing, Chaff? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. And Ryan, how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) You can tell we're rusty here. (laughs) Uh, And Luke, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you, pal. Good stuff. And we've got um, top Rochdale fan and top England fan, number one, Ian Murray, with us as well this week. Ian, how are you? Yeah, good, mate, thank you. Cheers. Good stuff. So, uh, something a little bit different this week. We're going to dig into Euro 2020, just a couple of days away now. Um, I know there's been a lot happening at Dale recently, but we're going to wait until we hear a bit more about the contract news and things like that before we talk about um, everything that's happened over the last few weeks. So, instead, we're going to have a chat about the Euros. But first, um, something a little bit different as well. I spoke to uh, Nathan, who is doing an incredible um, thing for charity at the moment, where he's ran from every... Uh, football league ground to the next one over a, a matter of months. Uh, so I had a little chat with him the other day, and here it is. Yeah, so I'm um, running to all 92 football grounds, uh, all in the Premiership and all the football leagues. Um, I've got 91 grounds now, so I got to Bury uh, last Saturday. I've been doing it since March last year, um, and I obviously had to stop a few times because of COVID. Um, and yeah, I'm raising money for Mind, um, which is a mental health charity, and Super Josh, which is um, a charity based in Bury. It works with disabled children um, and the families of children that, that face um, post-surgery disabilities. Um, so yeah, and I'm going to finish in Rochdale on the 26th for this month. Brilliant. So what gave you the idea to... Uh... To run to all 92 grounds, it's quite uh, undertaking that. Yeah, so originally it was actually, um, I came across a Burnley fan who was running to every away game um, throughout the season. So so he would start in Burnley and he would run to every away game and watch them. Um, and it just got me thinking, I wondered if, I knew about the 92 club. And it got me thinking, you know, I wonder if anybody had ever ran to them all. And obviously, no one had ever done it because it's crazy. Um, so then I just started, I found a map online and I started planning it. Um, yeah, and then left my job um, Christmas 2019, started training for a few months, and then I was off. So, how much money have you raised so far going into this final leg? Uh, up to now, I am I'm just under 6,000, I think. Um, and I'm hoping that I've uh, raised 9,200 um, so I'm hoping for a big push towards the end um, and um, yeah so that'll be £100 for every club Brilliant so um, how can people donate and support you on this final leg and afterwards as well? Yeah so the best um, way to do it is if you search on Google run around the grounds which is the name of the challenge you'll see all the pages there of um, donation link and the uh, 
Facebook and all that kind of stuff, and you can see what I've been up to on there. What have been the hardest parts so far? I mean, there's some big, big gaps, isn't there, between some of the grounds? Yeah, the hardest bit, um, one of them was probably Dartmoor because uh, I had to camp out over Dartmoor. So I was camping, carrying all my kit, um, and that's between uh, Exeter and Plymouth. That was a tough slog. And... um, yeah, that was probably the hardest bit. And then I had a bit across the north going from Car- Newcastle to Carlisle, which was hard, which was just recently. Uh, yeah, that was tough going over the uh, Pennines and that. So, well, none of it's been easy. Um, but yeah, those are probably the toughest bits. The, the last the last one is from Gig Lane to, to Scotland, isn't it? A little bit easier with, with a few of your friends joining you? Yeah, yeah, it will be... Um, it would be much easier because we're having sort of um, there'll be a few, you know, of my friends who are Rochdale fans and that, and then there's a few uh, other people come in, a few runners, and then I've got all the family and or some other people coming along. So yeah, it'd be a different kind of day, uh, but I'm looking forward. To- I've seen some of the pictures of you um, in some of the grounds today when I've been looking on the Facebook page at, at Ewood Park and Turf Moor. Um, which which have been the clubs that have been the most accommodating when you've been visiting them? Uh, I've got to say, up to now, obviously I've not got to Rochdale yet, so uh, they, they might be number one. But at, at at the moment, it's probably Port Vale because, and that's I've got no ties to them whatsoever. Um, but they were just they were just great. They they gave me and my family a full tour. They gave us a goodie bag. They gave us they invited us back for a VIP game, and they're just really accommodating. Um, so yeah, they they were great. So I've got to say them. Brilliant. Well, fingers crossed you get a similar reception at, at Scotland uh, on the 26th. And Nathan, it's a brilliant cause. So I'm sure um, I'm speaking for all Dale supporters when I say good luck on that final leg and, and what an excellent job you've done, mate. And hopefully you get a few more donations from some of our listeners as well. All right. Thanks very much. All right. So thanks to Nathan for coming on this week. But uh, let's get into the business of talking about Euro 2020 and Ian, the reason we've got you on this week is as a, as England's number one fan, you'll be <laughs> travelling to is it every game England are playing? So how are you feeling? Um, how are you feeling ahead of those games? It, at the moment, it looks like probably not every game because the, there's going to be at least one or two abroad. Um, so that's obviously complicated. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the three group games at Wembley. Um, ideally, if we win the groups, the next knockout round will be at Wembley, and then obviously semi final final if we get there which possibly might be a 90,000 crowd as well. So looking forward to that a lot, yeah. So are you feeling confident that we're going to make it through to the last stages then if you're looking <laughs> already to the semis and the final? Yeah, I know. The, the thing is, if, if, we, if we win the group, we'll face either France, Germany or Portugal in the next round. So if we get through that, then yeah. Um, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, so let's, yeah. let's look at England then. Um, Ryan... How, how are you feeling going into this tournament? I think a couple of years ago, everyone was feeling really confident. And yeah, it seems to me over the last few months that maybe that, that confidence has started to fade away a little bit. Maybe part of that is because of what Ian said there about a potential second round tie against Portugal, Germany or France. Yeah, potentially. I think people sort of, I think they're falling out of love with Southgate a little bit, rightly or wrongly. Um, I think what the last couple of friendlies have, Shawn us, or at least my opinion now is that 
our squad isn't actually that deep and that good. I think we've got a very good team and the team, if it stays fit and it's a full-strength team that we think it should pick, stays fit. There's no reason we couldn't get to the semis or the final. But um, Maguire looks like he's going to be out for a while. So we're going to be playing a very average centre-half next to John Stones, probably. And then you've got to hope everyone else is fit and he picks the exciting players and not the tried and tested and out of form. But um, yeah, I can only think it's for friendlies that have happened recently that have stopped people in the tracks a little bit because we've been, well, we thought the Rochdale games are boring this season. Luke, uh, they have been pretty boring, those two um, friendlies ahead of, of the tournament. But England have won both, haven't they? And And I suppose that is the main thing. I mean, I, I made the point uh, to someone the other day that I don't remember any pre-tournament friendlies from a few years ago. And I think I even went to a couple. So I think that tells you about how unimportant these these games are. Yeah, they're just little little tasters to keep ticking over and, um, you know, keep sharp and fit, I think. I wouldn't read too much into them. Um, they were boring and we were lucky. I mean, yes, they were wins, but... You know, if anyone saw the games, especially the Austria one, I thought we were quite, um, we were very fortunate to actually, you know, get the victory, to be fair. But, um, you know, if that's why people might be going against Safegate a little bit, then probably overreacting, really, because it's all about how, the, how we do in the major tournaments. You know, yes, we've got to qualify, and I suppose um, that should be given with the, the talent that we've got. Um, and then it's all about how we do in, in tournaments and, you know, Going back to the last tournament, we were very happy with him, weren't we? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't read too much into the friendly game. Similar to when it's pre-season at Dale and you're getting beat off Halifax, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of getting getting fit and, you know, what matters is is the opening game and, and getting through the group first and foremost. Chaff, I saw you shaking your head a little bit a minute ago when we talked about Southgate. Um, what is it that, that has kind of put you off him recently, if that's the case? I think he's negative. I think we've got a squad that's got an absolute wealth of attacking talent. Uh, some like once-in-a-generation type players like Foden, Grealish. And I just don't think he will put his faith in them uh, in as, as much as what the supporters will. I think he's I think he's more focused on, on not conceding than he is scoring goals. Um, and I just I just think find his football is just really, really negative and that's one of the main reasons why a lot of the England games that I watch, I find myself bored. I genuinely don't know how Ian travels the world watching it sometimes. Um, in terms of like squad, we we do have an, a, a good squad overall. I think there's a couple of weak areas. I don't rate Jordan Pickford at all. Um, and myself personally, I'd go with Sam Johnston in net. But I also think if Maguire's out, I think he's a big miss because I think the next in line is probably Mings and I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't I'd worry if he was uh, starting next to John Stones because that's basically John Stones is, is prone to a McNulty style error as well, isn't he? So I think we've got a very good squad with a couple of weak areas, but I don't trust the the manager to to get the best out of the attacking players that he's got, I don't think. Ian, where do you stand on Southgate at the moment? And and those those kind of key areas that Chaff touched on there, I mean, 
would Mings be the man coming in for, for Maguire for you? And who would you be looking for to replace Henderson in midfield if he's not quite fit enough for those first few games? Um, in terms of Southgate, um, I like him a lot for a lot of reasons, but I don't think you can argue that he is a bit negative. Um, I sort of, I sort of trust him to get it right, but that's more because I like him as a bloke. And I think if you do watch the games, you're right, they are boring. Um, I, I really hope that the, the Maguire injury, if he is injured, sort of forces his hand a bit, forces him to just think, well, you know what, well, we can't defend, but we're just going to have to go for it a bit more. Or, you know, got like Foden and Grealish, as Chaff said. Um, in terms of replacing Maguire, I think if you watch the game the other night, Ben White was really good. I think he might have given himself half a chance. Um, and in terms of Henderson, I, I'm not sure I'd be starting him anyway. I think best midfield three for me would probably be like Rice, Mount, and Bellingham, probably for me. Was that everything? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Bellingham's an interesting one, isn't he? I think he's one player that from these couple of friendlies people have been impressed with. But would it be asking a lot to put so much pressure on a, a 17 year old going into a major international tournament? Oh, I think so. You, you look at our group and you'd expect us to, let's be honest, if we don't get through that group, it's worrying, isn't it? So why not play him in them, get him used to the tournament? Um, in those three games, there's a big game in there against Scotland as well, so throw him in the deep end. Um, let's have it right, he's played for Borussia Dortmund all season, played in the Champions League, and he was very good against City, by the way. So it's not like he's playing for a mid-table Premier League team you know, no pressure on him, that sort of thing in the season, is it? He's playing for a top German team. So I'd play him. Um, I don't think he will, but I'd he'd be in my starting 11. I'd be same as Ian, I think, with that free midfield. But I, I do think he's going to go probably Phillips and Rice with a 10 in front. But yeah, I'd play Bellingham and there's no reason whatsoever to, to not play him if you're fearing that pressure because... Like I said, he plays for Dortmund. He's, yeah. he's one that I don't have to interrupt him, but he's one of the young player of the year in Bundesliga, okay. didn't he? So, he's handled himself. Yeah, you're supposed to put your hand up here if you're going to interrupt. <laughs> I'm not joking, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose one thing you would say as well about like putting tr- trust in young players is, uh, I think everyone remembers what Wayne Rooney did in Euro 2004 as an 18-year-old, don't they? So, that was probably the most impressive tournament performance I've ever seen from a, an England player. So if Bellingham can have a tournament half as good as that, he'd do okay. Um, Luke, Ryan said there it'd be worrying if we got if we didn't get through this group. Um, I mean, I think I agree, but at the same time, there are reasons to worry here. Uh, Croatia are the team that beat us in the World Cup, of course. Scotland are going to be completely up for that game and are riding on a crest of a wave by just qualifying. And... I mean, Czech Republic have beat us in qualifying for this tournament, I think it was, didn't they, in their last game against us? So, you know, it's not going to be a walkover for England, is it? No, I think it's going to be difficult. Um, we're going to have to show character, that's for sure, because I think you, you, you said it right. I think Scotland are coming into it on the back of a, a load of momentum, having not been at a major tournament since, I don't know, is it France right, 98 right. or something like that? Um, so they're, they're coming into it with momentum. Um, and, you know, they've got some you know, good, solid players. Um, half the time, I think, why the games are boring with England is that you are going to be playing against teams that are going to play 10 behind the ball. Um, and it's a little bit different 
when you've got teams like your Man City's, Chelsea's, the top teams in each league, they can train on that every single day. And, and you know, you learn from each other, you understand each other's games to try and on a Saturday put it into practice where you can pick apart teams when they do that and they do defend so deep. But at international foot level, because they're not together for that long, I think it's harder to kind of put those practices into into play, really. So um, you kind of, I think you you almost become a little bit more over-reliant on individual brilliance. I think that's kind of where, in the friendly games, that's kind of when we created something. It, it was out of individual brilliance more often than absolutely amazing team play, I thought. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, Czech Republic are going to be solid as well. Again, they've got some good players. Um, Suchek comes to mind. He's had a great season at West Ham. Um and then Croatia are always going to be good and competitive. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit fearful for kind of the the experience throughout the England team, to be honest. Because if, if Maguire's injured and, and and you talk about not playing Henderson, be it on quality or or, or fitness itself, there's not there's quality there, and there's definitely quality going forward, but I don't think there's a I think in tournaments you do kind of need those, you know, experienced players and, and and that right balance. And I don't know if we're going to strike it if we're going to talk about Harry Maguire not playing and um, Jordan Henderson not playing. Um but at the same time, just going back to your point on Bellingham, I'd I, I would play him in fact, regardless of saying that, because just seeing how he comes across in the media and um how he portrays himself on the pitch, he comes across as someone who's got a good character. He's kind of he's young, but he's willing to take that responsibility on. A bit like Jack Grealish is. You can tell he's a bit of a character. Um, and that's what I, I kind of like to see rather than your generic footballer these days, especially at England level, where you know they're all trained on the etiquette of interviewing and stuff like that. It's just same old boring. But I kind of sense a little bit of personality in the likes of Bellingham and the likes of Grealish. And you want them players in your team, I think. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's going to be really tough. Um, I don't think we should be playing too old in midfielders in the forms of a Phillips and a, and a Rice when we're against teams that we, we, we need to be kind of beating and we should be beating. Um, but as the tournament progresses, when you come up against the stronger teams, um, if we're fortunate, fortunate enough to get through, then maybe look at shifting it. But um, yeah, I think kind of as the lads have said, I think go out attacking. Um, and with a bit of luck, that'll be kind of enough for us to, to get through, given the amount of attacking players that we've got and the quality of them. Chaff, um, one player who does give us that that experience that Luke's saying we maybe lack in other areas is Harry Kane. And it's kind of strange that we've got this far without talking about him. I mean, the guy is England captain, um, the top scorer at the last World Cup. He's the favourite to be the top scorer at the Euros. How important is he going to be if England have got any chance of going deep into the tournament? Absolutely integral, I would say. I think um, I, I think he's up there with the best number nines in the world. Um, there's only sort of Lewandowski, uh, Haaland, um, who who can even sort of compete with him. I think he's brilliant. Um, I think his issues of being able to stay fit are over-exaggerated because it evidently he, he, scores, he scores the amount of goals that he does, so it doesn't affect him that much. Um I think we, it's absolutely crucial that we play a system that will give him service um, as well. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I thought he was having to drop. He had to drop deeper in that Austria game to, to come and get the ball. And I, I'd want better service to him. And I think we've got the players who can do that as well. Um, but yeah, if, if England have got any chance of 
of doing anything in this tournament, Harry Kane's going to be the, the focal point. He's, he's going to be a goal-getter. Um, and, yeah, he's a, I think he's an unbelievable player, really. I'd, I'd, if he joins Manchester City after this tournament, then I might stop watching football. <laughs> um, so, Ian, we, we spoke there about the likelihood that, that Southgate will probably play with two central or two holding midfielders. That'll leave probably only space for two out of uh, Mount, Foden and Grealish, you would expect. If you were, were having to leave one of those three out, uh, which one would you be looking at? Or would you play all three and perhaps leave out, you know, Sterling, Rashford and Sancho? Well, I was just going to say, in theory, you could still play all three, couldn't you? It's like four, two, three, one. Uh, I don't think Sterling and Rashford are in the best form, are they, as well? Um, although they, like, they, they have always produced for England, or well, they have for the last few years. Personally, I, I, if if he does play with two other midfielders, then I would say Ford and Mount Grealish, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do that myself. But um, I think the thing with uh, Harry Kane as well, as Shaft just said, I kind of half agree with him that when he starts dropping deeper like he does, it looks weird and sort of wrong and you don't want him to do it. But you have to remember that he's been doing that all year for Spurs and he's won the most assists and top goal scorer. So maybe just let him get on with it. And also, we were talking about um, we struggle with the build-up play. But if he wants to go and get involved in that, he's obviously been doing it all year for Spurs. If he's got Ford and Mount, etc., running off him, you know, can't hurt, can it? You do want him to be, obviously, the spearhead most of the time. But if he keeps the defence guessing. He did it well at the last World Cup as well, I thought. He, he kept dropping in deeper and giving space for Sterling to run in behind and. Yeah. I mean, Sterling wasn't in form in front of goal, was he? That was the only thing that kind of oh. let that down. But um, I thought it worked quite well. And if you can get someone like Mount, who's maybe a little bit, I don't want to say more reliable because Sterling scored so many goals for City, but in better form in front of goal. Yeah. I, I like Kane in, in that kind of, in that role, dropping deep and, and mixing it up. The key thing is, is getting the runners in beyond. That's the key thing. And, and that's possibly actually where... The likes of Sterling and Rashford might actually kind of come into it over the likes of Grealish. Uh, I know that's kind of unpopular opinion, but Grealish isn't, doesn't tend to kind of run in behind all that much. Um, so, yeah, you need you need your pace, I think. You need to get, you know, you need to almost kind of replicate what he does with Son at Tottenham. You know, normally when Kane's dropping deep, it's to play the ball behind the line for, for Son to run onto, that kind of thing. So... I just think it's important, you know, when that happens, you've got runners that that can stretch it as well. Just, just the uh, the game that's from to mind then when Luke was talking about uh, running off Kane, the game that's from to mind was um, Spain away a couple of years ago in the Nations League. It's one of the best performances we've had for quite a long time, and it was the front three of we sat back, but then the front three was Kane, who sort of kept receiving the ball, and then had Sterling and Rashford running off him. We absolutely devastated Spain that night. So yeah. Yeah, some a couple of unbelievable assists from Kane, if I remember rightly, in that night. Yeah. Um, was one of them for Sterling, or, or was it? It was. Was it Sterling who finished into the top corner? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was from at the time, but I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> Travels the world watching England and can't remember half of it. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So Ryan, um, we we touched on it earlier. Portugal, Germany, or France is likely to be the opponent in the second round if we were to win the group, as we we're expected to. Um, I mean, none of them are ideal, but if you were going to pick one to face at the minute, who would it be out of those three? Germany. Um, I think France and Portugal could both, I mean, I don't know if it lines up, but I think they could both go all the way, they can do. 
because Portugal's team is frightening, as is France. I think any team at the moment with Kante in has got a chance. And then when you add in the players around him, like Mbappe, Griezmann, either Benzema or Giroud, um, Pogba might turn up once in a while. So I think they've got a chance. Um, but yeah, Germany out of ours. But I mean, I'd rather finish second in the group, I think. <laughs> well, we've done that before, haven't we, Chaff? Um, in that, that last Euros where we, I don't think we threw the game against Belgium, but I don't think there was too much intent to win it either. Um, I mean, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult uh, task to set yourself in it to try and finish second rather than first, especially when you should be winning all three games, really, according to the odds. Anyway, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah, the the thought of playing France, Germany, or Portugal is frightening. And me being me, that if 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 we we end up with with one of those, that's our tournament over, I reckon. Um, but yeah, ideally, you'd want to finish second. Um, it's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of imagination that we win the group anyway. Because, um, like you mentioned before, um, Croatia are, are Croatia. I mean, they're, they're four years older now um, than what they were then, or three years, whatever it is. Um, and this, but they've still got quality um, in that side. So, yeah, they're, they're still a threat. I think Scotland. I, do you know what? I looked at Scotland's squad before and there's some there's some really handy players in there. It's not a foregone conclusion that we beat them, to be perfectly honest. That's one for you, Ian. Um and you look at them you look at their midfield alone. I like that that Turnbull, really good player. Um McTominay, who I rate massively. I think he's he, he's potentially United future United captain. And John McGinn as well. It's a, it's a, Really good midfield, and I think that's probably better than than that's. I'd, I'd prefer that than Phillips, Rice, and one other. So, yeah, it's um, Czech Republic. I don't know too much about Czech Republic. I know they've got Suchek, um, but there's every chance we could finish second. And if we finish second, that's uh, that that'll benefit us hopefully. I mean, you've got to play them at some point, aren't you? So. Off the top of your head, does anyone know who we would play if we finished second? It's top. Is it second in Group E? I want to say. So I could be wrong, but I want to say Sweden or Hungary. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That, that might be the potential quarterfinal. Would it be Sweden or Poland? I think, or possibly, yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think Hungary are in the group with with France, Portugal, and Germany, aren't they? So yeah, sorry, that's yeah, yeah. I knew it was Sweden. Yeah, so it would be it would be potentially easier if we were to finish second, but he can't aim to do that unless it kind of falls like that Belgium one did, where you can afford to rest a few players because you already know you're through. Um, Ian, is there anyone from watching games um, that that's that out for you that maybe we haven't mentioned so far, or maybe people watching along at home probably d- don't realise how much of an impact they have? That is quite hard to answer when, like I say, I'm normally drunk. No, to be fair. <laughs> I think I don't think so, really, because everyone watching on TV, it's still, it's still all household names who everyone knows everything about, aren't they, really? No, I mean, I, I, I do like Declan Rice, and I think there are probably, I think there are some people who are 50-50 on Rice, aren't they? Uh, but I, I really like him, I've watched him play. Um, seeing Bellingham up close the other night was really good, because I don't really watch German football that much. But obviously, everyone knows how good he is. 
No, to be fair, I think everyone knows how good all of our players are. I really don't. Who would you be starting um, in the full-back positions out of interest? I'd definitely prefer Shaw over Chilwell. Right-back, I, th- I think right-back depends on the sort of formation and style of play. If, if you're going all-out attacking and just kind of going for it, it well, it would have been Trent, but now probably Reese James. I think if you're, if you're being a bit negative or, you know, you're up against a big team, um, I mean, Trip is just won the league off Atletico. You're not going to get much more solid right back than that, are you? I do, I, I do like Reese James as well. Too. Reese James can defend as well. I, I, I suppose I've not mentioned Kyle Walker there. I think Kyle Walker's probably third choice now for me. Can't play all of them, Eve. Yeah, that's what I just said. It's third choice, like out of the three oh. we've got. <laughs> but yeah, depending on how we were playing, um, I, I, you'd have to pick, depending on the situation between Trippier and James. But they're both capable. They're both obviously good players, aren't they? One's won the league, one's won Champions League. So, um, I, I massively disagree about Trippier, but we'll move on quickly. Um, Ryan, you, we, obviously we spoke about those those teams that um, England could potentially meet. Um, are you? I'm assuming from what you were saying, you you may be making France the favourites, but are there are there any other teams that stand out for you as ones that you would expect to be um, to be pushing for the, for the for the trophy? Main ones really: France, Portugal. Um, Belgium, I don't know the situation on De Bruyne though. I think if De Bruyne is out for a long period, I think they'll. I don't think they'll get far. Uh, not far, but I don't think we'll do semis and final again. Um, just looking now, Italy could be. Pretty, I think they could be a potential. Sounds daft saying underdog, but I quite like the look of them. When you look at the squad, they look solid. Um, quick players up front, and aside from that. I watched Spain the other night and they were unreal until they give it Maratta. <laughs> and he was absolutely horrendous. So I think if they play, is it Moreno? Yeah, from Villarreal. Villarreal. If they play him instead of Maratta, they could be up there because of football they were playing. They were playing someone decent as well. I can't remember. Were it Portugal? Portugal. They were, they passed them off apart. They were unreal. Um, and I love watching them always. So, um, I think they've got a chance. But aside from that, I think there's always an underdog in there. There's a lot of solid teams. I mean, we faced them. Austria looked semi-decent. Denmark looked good against us. Um, I've actually had a cheeky fiver on them, probably stupidly, but it looked really good against us. Um, and apart from that, they're probably the main ones for me. And England. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that Ian's laugh there was because Lockett forgot to mention them or because he just thinks it's nonsense to even put them in the favourites. Which one is it, Ian? I just I would have shouted at him if he didn't. So uh, yeah, I, I must admit I kind of with you on the Denmark thing. I was looking at the squad earlier and they look really solid, don't they? They've got a Vestergaard and Kiar at the back and Schmeichel in goal, and then I mean that midfield of um, of Hoyberg and Delaney and possibly Ericsson in front of them as well. I think that's a really good midfield and they look solid and I think solid teams always tend to do well, like that Wales at the last Euros. Um, Chaff, which which teams are you looking out for as potential favourites? Your obvious response, France. I think France have just got quality in every department, haven't they? Um, The spine of their team is just unbelievable. Pogba, Kante in midfield, Kimpembe, um, Varane in defence, Mbappe and Griezmann up front. It's just an absolute embarrassment of riches, isn't it? 
So I'd put them as, as, as your outright favourites, obviously. Um, Portugal as well, um, for all the obvious reasons. Uh, Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, Felix, um, they've just got Bruno Fernandes, class squad. Um, Germany have got a good squad as well, but at the same time, if I had to pick one of them to, to play against at the moment, it would be Germany, I think. Um, and with Ryan as well on Italy, um, I think not an underdog, but they could be a little. They could be dark horse in this. Um, not many people are talking about Italy to, to to go on on and win it, but I think they've got a really good squad as well. I think they've got the old guard in defence still in Chiellini and Benucci, and they've got the likes of Verratti in midfield, who I think is one of the best midfielders in the world. I just I love watching him play, and then they've got Immobile up front as well. Um, who's scoring goals and very good squad. I think uh, they're one to watch for me. And I, I also agree about Denmark as well, because lots of their squad um, and all the players that you've mentioned there, plus the likes of um, Christensen as well at Chelsea. Um, I think that they, they've, they've, they will qualify from their group, I think, uh, with Belgium. Um, Belgium, are the you look at the squad and it's fantastic. They've got a lot of quality, but they, their defence is an old defence as well. So they've still got the likes of Vermeilen, um, Aldevera, Old Batongan. Um, so you, you'd think if they come up against pace that they, they may struggle defensively. But at the same time, they're just going to create so many chances and probably score so many goals, aren't they, with the likes of Lukaku, um, De Bruyne, uh, Hazard. Etc. So yeah, them, them would be my, my main ones. I don't see any one really sort of surprising doing very well. I think Holland, if they'd have had Van Dijk, would have been up there, but they haven't. So and I think that just weakens them massively. And I think they probably are well class forward away from being a very good side when he is fit as well. Um, but yeah, them them would be my main ones. I think. Yeah, I think Holland will be. Uh an interesting team to watch because I think they've got a, a pretty favourable group um, and they've got quite a young squad, haven't they? It could be like a progressive one for Holland. Uh, the likes of De Litt and Gravenberch getting tournament experience will be good for them going forward, I think. Uh, Luke, I think some of the teams we're looking at there, um, the likes of Spain and, and Italy and I think even Germany to an extent, they all seem to have good squads without having those star players that we kind of associate with, with those nations in the past like what do you think that maybe plays into the hands a little bit because there's less of a reliance on particular players or or is it a case of you know these are a solid squads but they're going to lack that star quality to to push themselves over the line good question um i think the solid when you talk about the solid squads and the teams that surprise you to win the tournament i think you need that star quality i think you can get far in the tournament with that kind of solid nature um and and you know and just kind of just being hard to beat across the pitch, nicking the goal, that kind of thing. Um, but I think to win the tournament, to get that far, you still need that bit of luck. But I, I think that's where the quality comes in as well. Um, I think those teams that you mentioned, the Spains, Germany, Italy, I think they're still kind of going through that kind of period of transition, I think, um, where they probably will come back again. But it feels like this tournament is, is probably going to be a little bit too soon them to go on and, and kind of uh, win it. But that's not to say that they're not capable. It's tournament football at the end of the day. Um, 
But I think with them going through a transition, I think I think with England, we, we kind of know where we're at. We, you know, we've been pretty kind of, it's a pretty settled squad and it's a young squad. And, you know, we know that kind of majority of the players that are in that team will be, they'll be playing in, you know, the next two, three, maybe even four tournaments, you know, in, in, in years to come. So, um, I think the likes of Denmark, like you've all said, will, will kind of will potentially do well. I think they've got a mad, they're on a mad run as well. I don't think they've been beaten for a hell of a long time. I remember hearing it on, on the highlights that I was watching the other day. Um, but to win it, you need that star quality. And I think, um, I think France stink of it, to be fair. They've got it all over the place. Ian, which teams would you kind of be hoping more than any that England avoids going into the latter stages? I mean, we've we've kind of touched on all of them there, but which are the ones that stand out for you as ones that, you know, you really wouldn't want to face if you could help it? Yeah, well, obviously I agree. France and Portugal are probably the two best. So I suppose in terms of who we face next, you, you, you won't have to say Germany because, I mean, they're still Germany, aren't they? So I, I might regret saying this, but they're not as strong as they have been. They're, like Luke said, they're going through a transition. So, in terms of the next round, then um, you'd have to say Germany. I think Holland are an interesting one as well. I was going to bring them up as well, because if you'd have asked me a year ago, I'd have said Holland are right up there. But I think, because in the last Nations League, they, they topped the group in with France and Germany. And they had uh, like De Ligt and Van Dijk at the back, and then Donny Vicky, Van de Vicky was a good player at the time. Um, obviously, they've lost Van Dijk and they've lost Ronald Koeman, aren't they? So I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how good they are at the moment. But again, they're still Holland. Spain is still Spain. They still play that football, don't they? Even if they are going through a transition, like they, they, they've over the years affected that process, haven't they? Of um, those technical players coming through and still being quite a good team. So you, you, you wouldn't want, want to face anyone. But I think the thing is as well. Um, we were joking before about uh, you'd, you'd rather finish second, and obviously in a way you would. Like, like the last World Cup was really enjoyable because we finished second, and then had the Colombia game, which was great, and Sweden was a pretty easy quarterfinal, wasn't it? I think if you if you if you're actually in charge of the team, if you're like Gareth Southgate, you can't be going in there with that mentality, can you? You've got to just say, right, we'll take on absolutely anyone because we're gonna to have to beat France in the final if we're gonna win it. We might as well beat them in the second round. So I, I think well, we can joke about it, but I think you know you're gonna hear the mentality is we'll beat everyone, which is what you want to hear in it. Yeah, and it works both ways, doesn't it? If you beat France in the second round, then you start to look at the quarterfinals and think, well, it's opening up a little bit for us here now. Yeah. Um, so, right, I think we've touched on on Denmark as a potential dark horse. Um, I think Italy and Netherlands maybe as well are, are considered to be outsiders of sorts. Is there anyone else you, you've been looking at um, that you maybe think would come from, from further down um, the odds list? I mean, some of the ones that were standing out to me as potentially slightly too long in, in the market, Turkey, Sweden... Switzerland, they've all got decent players. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to take a lot for any of those teams to win it. But are there any others that you fancy, you know, to go far into the tournament and surprise a few? The Switzerland still plays Jacker. Yeah, I think so. No, then um, <laughs> Turkey. Turkey's a funny one because we did a sweepstake at work, and someone sort of wanted Turkey to see him as a bit of a dark horse himself. So. He keeps mentioning some striker called Yilmaz or something for him. So he's meant to be good. Um, who else did you say? Uh, Sweden as well. No. No? No, no, no Zlatan factor? No. No. He's not done it for years, has he? Um, no, I don't, to be honest, I think 
Denmark are a bit about far enough for me. Uh, you start looking beyond that and you're just looking at Switzerland or Turkey now. We've got a we should finish second one of them. So but then we're gonna get a top placed group finish around me in the next round. So yeah, tough one. Turkey maybe just going off what I've heard, but Denmark are just about far away enough for me to to be putting money on. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that Yilmaz is someone to look out for. I think he scored a ridiculous amount of goals in winning the league for Lille in France this season. Uh, he's, Wednesday, yeah. he's like 35, but just started banging them in all of a sudden. Um, Chaff, we, we were speaking before about um, the structure of the tournament and it's the second one that's got 24 teams in it. I think we both agreed that we're not really fans of it. And I think what Ryan said there, I think about... Um, finishing second, meaning you'll play a top team. It doesn't necessarily mean that, does it, with the with the current structure? Um, it's kind of hard to get your head around. And can you kind of maybe tell us why you're not so much of a fan? I looked at the, one of the wall charts before, and I just couldn't figure it out. And maybe I'm being fit, but this this whole for how many teams go through finishing third or whatever is a nonsense to me. Absolute nonsense. I did one of them predictors before one and I put all the group winners in and who I thought would finish sort of third in their group and I had Germany to finish third in their group and still get to the semi-finals and I just think it's a, a bit of a nonsense I think I'll be honest I think there's too many teams in it um I'd much rather go back to the to the old format but they won't do will they the likes of North Macedonia shouldn't really be in the Euros um, they're just, yeah, it's, it's it almost becomes like qualifying, doesn't it? I suppose that the, the counter argument to that, Luke, though, would it, it, it wouldn't it be that it gives teams like North Macedonia, you know, something to to aim for. Tiny teams like Scotland have got something to to you know potentially aim for in quali- qualifying for a, for a major tournament. It's t- I mean, I, you, for me, you want to see the best teams in the world. Uh, competing against each other at this point. Um, so everyone, you know, th- these countries have the opportunity to qualify. They get that opportunity. And that I'm, I'm on board with that. That's fine as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, this is this should be kind of the creme de la creme. The, this should be the top teams in Europe competing to win the <laughs> to win it. Um, I think it's a lot of shit, really. I, I'd rather go back to, um, you know, <laughs> top two go through, simple as that. I don't think it was broken up, you know, in the first place. Top two, you know, top two teams should go through. And to be honest, I'm not I'm not a fan of the kind of whole shift in locations. I think what, one of the things that I really like about kind of uh, following the, the Euros or, or the World Cup for that matter is you kind of see um, what it does to the, the local area that, these games are kind of um, taking part in and I don't know, you kind of go on a journey with it as the tournament goes along and, and you feel as though kind of, you get to see how, how kind of the, the buzz that it has in, in one particular place and this will just feel really strange with it being plotted about left, right and centre. Um, I, I actually don't know the reason for that. Does anyone, like, why is why is it being kind of played all over the place? Well, the reason at the time was so that, that nations that weren't big enough to host the whole thing will be able to get a game but if you look at it it's there's games in London there's games in uh, there's one in Seville in Spain Amsterdam which is which had them 20 years ago uh, Rome which again had the World Cup 10 years before that 
So it's, it seems like a kind of a weak excuse for me from, from UA for that. I think so. And yet Baku has come back in there from with uh, Azerbaijan. Seems to be kind of, you know, hosting a lot. I don't I don't get it. I like I like the tournament in one single place. Um I really hope that kind of after this it goes back to that. I don't like the fact that I was looking before myself at some of the matches and I mean we're talking about England and obviously Ian's buzzing and a lot of England fans will be buzzing about the fact that like 90% of the games they'll play are likely to be at Wembley. But it's probably the same case for most of it. Like, I was looking before, the amount of teams that are playing like home games. I think Spain have a game in Spain. Um, I think Holland playing their country as well. And it feels wrong to me that everyone's... It is like qualifying where they're all... You know, there's loads of shit teams in it and they're all playing in their own stadiums. Is that what it is? It's rubbish, that. Uh, when you say Holland play in their country, do you mean Holland? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to say Holland again. <laughs> uh, Ian, me and you went to, to France for the Euros four years ago, five years ago, sorry, now. Um, how do you feel about it? Would you prefer to be, you know, kind of in one place? I know you went to the World Cup in Russia as well. Uh, after that or, or do you like the fact that we're going to be playing some home games and normally you will be travelling around a little bit more but obviously uh, it, as it turns out England are playing most of their games at home anyway but sh- would you rather you know be in another country and doing what Luke says and kind of soaking up that culture of a host 100% mate yeah I, I was going to mention that in Russia you know I like to but yeah yeah, I think most England fans like match winning fans agree as well like, the, the feeling of going to a tournament and going somewhere for two weeks or a month or whatever so much better. Like, obviously, the convenient thing is with it being at Wembley, we can actually go. You know, what with the current situation and everything. So, in a way, that's good. But um, it, it, I think Ryan just said England fans are buzzing with it. I don't think they are because I don't think England fans like Wembley. I don't. Did you? You want to fly to Everton, would you? Because Wembley. Sh- can I swear on this? It's shit. <laughs> it really. It really. It's a bad atmosphere at Wembley with ninety thousand in it. So I don't know what it's going to be like on on Sunday with twenty four. Is it? Um. <sighs> Plus, it's, it's kind of inconvenient in the sense that we might have to keep travelling down to London or wherever. Whereas if, if you're in the country, like if, if you say, for example, I was in Russia, like you know you're going to have to go somewhere. That doesn't make sense now I say it out loud. But basically, yeah, the, the experience of being in another country for however long, and like Luke says, um, sort of soaking it up um, and it, it meaning a, a lot to the people of that country. Um, it's, it's of an experience that is brilliant. And you are losing it with this. I, I agree with with Ollie. It's it's stupid. I think it's all about money. I don't know exactly how, but I'm sure you are for making a lot more money off this one than we were before. And that's got to be the reason behind it. So are you looking forward to uh, to heading over to Qatar in eighteen months? Really? Or so? Yeah, I genuinely can't wait for it. But I think the um, the only issue that most of us had was uh, where we can get a beer, and it looks like uh, you you can. So obviously, I think the fact that uh, FIFA's FIFA sponsors are beer companies, aren't they? So we'll be locked after with that. So I think, like, I don't, as far as I can tell, there's not much to do there. But as long as you've got a, a pub or a hotel or whatever where you can watch football all day and drink beer, we'll be all right. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly looking forward to being in Qatar, but I'm looking forward to going somewhere a bit different. I'm sure there will be days when we'll have a, you know, we'll have a wander around or whatever. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be expensive. So I'm already saving up for it, but yeah. I, I, know, I think Luke's, Luke said it before that he hopes the, uh, they go back to normal after this one. I think they do. I think the uh, the next Euros are just in Germany as well in 2026. 
So very much on the road to that one, obviously. 2024. 20, 20, 24, sorry, yeah, 24. Yeah. I don't know what year it is. You're on 2020, isn't it? So who knows? Yeah, Germany, Germany would be a fun one, I think. Um, yeah. Another question from me, like, is the reason why you think England are due being able to host a tournament? Does it come down to the whole hooligan element? Or is it money and politics? Well, so why, we, why we've not got it? Yeah, because it weren't that long ago since Germany actually. We, we, we talked about tournament. No, what it was the World Cup, weren't it? Yeah, I think yeah. yeah, maybe, mate. I, I don't know. Um, I think we, we, we've we've bid for the last few tournaments, haven't we? Like, we? We were in the running for the Qatar World Cup, the Russia World Cup. So, I mean, there's obviously some reason why we didn't get it. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's organism. I, I, I don't. But I, I think that's not as big a problem as people make out. To be fair, like, it, is, it is a problem, but I don't think it's. I think it's mainly money. Yeah. I think in Qatar's I think in Qatar's case it's definitely yeah. I don't think, I don't think uh, we need to question that one. Um Ian, let, let's just have let's just dig into that hooliganism element a little bit. Um obviously in France there was issue issues when we came up against Russia. Um there have been issues when England fans have been travelling abroad more recently too. Um do you think in a way it does kind of um take away that element the fact that we'll be playing so many games at home and there's not going to be any travelling supporters is it likely to be a tournament that maybe will reflect better on England fans for just by sheer fact of the fact that they're not going to be coming up against any opponents yeah I think like I said before the, the whole hooliganism thing is massively overplayed like you, you get well unless you're in Marseille because like, that was quite scary that one let's be honest but um, I think generally when you get an incident on a away trip it's it's one group of lads who probably don't even even have a match ticket? Who've just fancied a weekend in Amsterdam or in wherever Porto or, or something like that? You never hear any stories of hooliganism when it's uh, Slovenia or Lithuania or Kosovo away. Do you know what I mean? It's just the attractive destinations where eighteen-year-olds think that's the cool thing to go and do. Well, that is, that what, <laughs> is that is that why you, I know you enjoyed it over in Russia? Is that why you enjoyed it in Russia more? Because obviously those those fans were kind of turned away after what happened in Marseille and what have you. Yeah, the, yeah, no, no, no one went over to Russia looking for a fight, did they? Because <laughs> they were they were scared off by the media, and that was the that was the only annoying thing about that tournament because it, it was brilliant. It was it was you know one of probably the best experience I've ever had to be honest. But the fact that there were so few England fans there because they were all scared that they'd get stabbed. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd even get a little bit stabbed. Well, like, there's there's always, there's always something with every tournament. There's always, I think there was like something you might get robbed in Brazil or you might get mugged in South Africa and. Uh, there's something about when he was in Ukraine as well. There's always like a scare story, um, yeah, which is really annoying because everyone who was there had a great time. Okay, um, I think we'll we'll finish off with maybe let's have uh, predictions from each of you, and then we might have a little game as well, like we normally do. But um, so what I'll do is I'll ask each of you for your winner of the tournament, your top scorer, and how far you think England are going to go. Uh, so, Ryan, I'll start with you. Portugal, Lukaku, top scorer, and England, second round. Luke? Um, I reckon France, Mbappe, and um, I reckon England will get knocked out in the first knockout round. Uh, France? To win it, 
Ronaldo to finish top scorer and England to go out in the last 16. And Ian, let's, let's hear it, come on. <laughs> England to win it. Hurricane top scorer is coming home. <laughs> um, all right, I'll, I'll just finish off. I think, um, yeah, France to win it. Uh, I think England going out in the quarters and Kane to still win uh, Golden Boot despite playing two games less than everyone else because he's that good. Okay, we'll finish with the game that we normally do. So what I'll do instead of um, instead of a match squad, I'm going to get a, a, an England tournament squad and see how many you can name from them. So we'll go with England's 2010 squad in South Africa, yeah? Um, and Ian, since you are our guest, in uh, inverted commas, um, I'll let you go first. Very gracious of you, mate. Thank you. This is going to be very embarrassing, but I'll lose this now, isn't it? So anyone in the 23-man squad? Yeah, so it's anyone in the 23-man squad. And then if you name someone wrong, you're out. Okay. Steven Gerrard. Yeah, Steven Gerrard is there. Uh, Lockett, you next. Lampard. Correct. Luke. Rooney. Correct. Chaff. John Terry. Correct. Uh, back to Ian. <laughs> Matthew Upson. Yeah, scored against uh, Germany, didn't he? Um, Ryan. That's the call. Correct. Luke. Rob Green. Correct. Chaff. Ferdinand. Incorrect. Chaff's out. This is what we need to do every week in England one and then Chaff doesn't win. <laughs> uh, so, Ian, back to you. Uh, Jermaine Defoe. Yep. Scored in the third game, didn't he? Slovakia or Slovenia? Can't remember. I was trying to remember which one it was, yeah. It was one of them. <laughs> Michael Carrick. Yep. Andy Carroll. No, no Andy oh. Carroll. I think you're thinking of uh, the Euros, aren't you, when he scored? Yeah. Go on after that. So uh, just Ian and, and Ryan left. Ian, you next. I'm not sure of any more now, but I'm going to say Glenn Johnson. Yep. Theo Walcott. Oh, God's sake. Ian, well done. <laughs> <laughs> England's number one fan. <laughs> and the faces that just dropped on this Zoom <laughs> when we realised Ian had won. Um, oh, you're not rubbish at this, are you? <laughs> so, uh, we'll be back in a week or two when hopefully Dale have made some signings or or there's some news on contracts offers. Um, and also, I think we'll we'll take a look back on those predictions at the end of the tournament and see who come out on top. Uh, so, thanks for joining me, lads. Cheers, Cheers Dean. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Catch you all next time. Up the Dale and it's coming home. No. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> David James, Glenn Johnson, Ashley Cole, Stephen Gerrard, Michael Dawson, John Terry, Aaron Lennon, Frank Lampard, Peter Crouch, Wayne Rooney, Joe Cole, Robert Green, Stephen Warnock, Gareth Barrett, Matthew Upson, James Milner, Sean Wright Phillips, Jamie Carragher, Jermaine Defoe, Ledley King, Emma Leskett, Michael Carrick and Joe Hart. I can't believe I didn't say Eskie. <laughs> <laughs>
It's no wonder we went out 4-1 against Germany. That's half of Tottenham's squad from that time. 